3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum special coverage, we hear your reactions to the death of California's longest-serving U.S. Senator, Dianne Feinstein. Former Congressmember Jackie Speier describes her as a decades-long mentor.
4: She put California first, you know, whether it was protecting Lake Tahoe or setting aside hundreds of thousands of acres for the desert national parks, or Protecting the cable cards. We almost lost the cable cards without her.
3: Feinstein died at her home in Washington, D.C. at the age of 90. We look back on her legacy and the impact of her passing while in office. Join us. Welcome to Forum Special Coverage. I'm Mina Kim. An outpouring of tributes for the longest serving U.S. Senator in California history. Senator Dianne Feinstein has died at 90 years old, leaving behind a legacy as a gun control champion, a trailblazer, a connector, and a healer, especially after she had to announce to the world the deaths of her colleagues and friends in 1978 as San Francisco supervisor.
5: Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and
6: killed.
3: Feinstein's Chief of Staff James Saul said in a statement today her passing is a great loss for so many from those who loved and cared for her to the people of California that she dedicated her life to serving. Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi said she bolstered America's moral standing and national security with her fierce opposition to the use of torture. And Governor Gavin Newsom called her a role model not only for me, but to my wife and daughters. How will you remember Senator Feinstein? Did you ever meet her? What is your reaction to Feinstein's passing? What are your questions about the impact of her death? on California. You can call us at 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786. You can post your thoughts at KQED Forum on our social channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Discord. You can email forum at kqed.org. Joining me now are KQED's politics correspondents and editors, Scott Schaefer, Senior Editor for KQED's California Politics and Government Desk. Thanks for being with us, Scott.
7: Good to be with you, Mina.
3: Also, Marisa Lagos is here, KQED's political correspondent and co host of KQED's Political Breakdown Show with Scott Schaefer. Marisa, glad to have you too. Thanks, Mina. That's good. So, Scott, let me start with you. You have interviewed and interacted with Senator Feinstein for many years. Just tell us what stands out to you personally about her, who she was. She-
7: she was tough. Uh, that, <laughs> but I will always remember about Diane Feinstein. I mean, she, you know, as we heard at the top there, took office under the worst imaginable circumstances. Not only was there an assassination of the mayor and supervisor Harvey Milk, but two weeks earlier, the city was reeling. the jonestown massacres and you know into that setting she walked into the mayor's office and really steadied the ship and she really had a a spine of steel i think she was very tough and um you know i think i I worked for the the mayor who followed her art agnos and they did not get along particularly well Mm. and for many years she kind of held that against me But I remember interviewing her in 2017. Trump had been elected and she had just spoken to the Chamber of Commerce downtown. And she invited me to have chicken soup with her after she spoke. And we had a nice conversation. So I think she had softened a bit, you know, as the years went on. But she was really a a very, very tough woman who really, uh, you know, cracked the glass ceiling for a lot of women. And uh, really, I think a lot of women stand on her shoulders today. Uh, having used her and seen her and been inspired by her as a role model,
3: Marisa, what about you? And I know you're covering the uh, GOP convention down there in Anaheim as we speak right now. But uh, is there something a that noise. a little bit? Yeah. yeah. But tell us uh, what what you remember. What stands out in your memory?
2: Well, on a personal level, kind of jumping off what Scott said, uh, I did not have a history with her the way he did, so I didn't know her quite as well, but I do remember really vividly the first time I covered her in person, it was a media event in San Francisco. There was a large group of press, and she made a point to call on me a very young female reporter, and it mm. felt very pointed. I think that she was very aware of her status as a trailblazer, as a woman, and I think that she kept that in mind um, you know, throughout her career, really. And I and it was she was tough and she was defiant, as we saw in recent years when calls for her to step aside grew stronger. Um, But I I do think that she had a very strong sense of sort of her place in history and what that meant. Um, And so that's you know, I I, I have a lot of other memories about like the sort of mechanics of covering her politics. But on a personal level, (laughs) that really stood out to me.
3: Well, you're down there covering the state GOP convention, as I said. But are you talking with people? Are they reacting or telling you anything right now? How are California Republicans responding to her death?
2: You know, um, I've mostly been on the phone, actually, with with a lot of folks on the Democratic side. I think that people here are gearing up for President Trump will be here in just a few hours, and there's a lot of excitement around that. Um, I haven't heard a lot of concrete reaction here, but I will say, you know, I confirmed this this morning with a former staffer of hers talking to some women who have been in politics for a very long time in California, uh, like former Kamala Harris aide Debbie Meslow, people are sad. This was expected to some extent. It's not surprising. She's been ailing, but I think this is giving folks an opportunity to really look back at her legacy and maybe put aside some of the noise of the recent years. Um, And I think that there's a lot of sadness.
3: Yeah. Well, I want to bring in another longtime friend and aide to Diane Feinstein, and that's Jim Lazarus. Jim Lazarus, thanks so much for being with us.
8: Happy to have the time to talk to you. Thanks.
3: What can you tell us about what we, the public, might not have seen or realized about Diane Feinstein and about the depth of this loss for you, which I am so sorry.
8: Thank you. Uh, well, it's a loss for everybody. Um, and I think, you know, yesterday, uh, uh, as I talked to the staff in Washington, uh, it's just uh, very uh, much in... in in the life story of Diane Feinstein, went to the Hill yesterday, voted, former Congresswoman Jane Harmon was over and saw Diane at the House late yesterday afternoon. Um, you know, there was, uh, you know, just that, that, that public service. You know, people have asked, why didn't you, you know, why hasn't she retired? Why did she run again in 2018? We know it as San Franciscans who were here when she was a supervisor and mayor, and we know it from um, what's uh, you know, her time in Washington serving the public in a bipartisan, if not nonpartisan, way because that's the politics she grew up in. You remember, local government is, is nonpartisan in California, uh, and in her era, parties didn't even endorse in local races, it was against the law until 1990. And, and that, 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 what she brought to Washington and what she brought here was always working across the aisle, whether it was with supervisors or members of the Congress, and that's her legacy and why she accomplished so much both uh, here and in Washington.
3: You mentioned this. Some did feel that she should have made way for someone else instead of running for re-election in 2018. Many had called for her to retire when her health was starting to fail her. Why do you think she held on, Jim? Because
8: it's what diane feinstein did that that, again that public service the desire to 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 uh deliver for the people of california very senior member and like it or not we have a seniority system in the congress that helps deliver the states that have senior members whether it's the house or the senate and diane was delivering for california right up to the last days and that she felt she should finish her term she's not a quitter she said that I've had conversations with her over the last couple of years about retirement. And you know, what do you want me to do, Jim? Sit here in the chair and look out the window the rest of my life? I've got seniority I'm going to deliver for the state. And that's was her creed.
3: Hmm. Well, thanks for giving us more of those specific insights, because I know it's been a question on many people's minds. Some have even felt that it actually tarnished her, her legacy. And I wonder if she was aware of that or even cared about that, Jim?
8: She was certainly aware uh, and cared about it. But yeah, and the last year or two have been especially tough. The the death of Dick Blum uh, early last year, Diane's health issues, um, which kept her out of the Senate for three months earlier this year. But again, she rose to, to the challenge, you know, got better, went back. Uh, and can can continued her work, and uh, I think she felt she was physically able to do that, and that's why she's she's been back in washington and uh, it's a it, I think it's the way she would have wanted the end to come hmm. was being in the Senate on Thursday and then passing away thursday night friday morning wow. i mean it's it's the end of a of a great career of public service.
3: Well, Scott, sadly, it comes at a difficult time in national politics in the sense that Democrats hold a very narrow margin in the Senate. What's Governor Newsom going to do now? What are his options?
7: You know, he could call a special election uh, to fill the seat, uh, the remainder of the seat. However, there is in March a primary election to, uh, you know, for the six-year term. Um, we have a very vigorous campaign underway for that. Um You know he could name a caretaker to fill out the seat uh as someone who would not run in march for the full six-year terms um i think you know he he, a couple of years ago he, he took some heat for appointing alex padilla to replace kamala harris when she became vice president uh because she was the only black woman in the u.s senate at the time and still is and newsom said back then that if feinstein's seat opened up prematurely that he would name a black woman well More recently, he kind of backpedaled from that a bit and said that he would not want to interfere with the voters choice in the upcoming Senate election and that he would only name a black woman to be a caretaker. So whether or not he will do that, um, you know, appoint somebody who not Barbara Lee, but somebody who isn't going to run for the full uh, six years, or he could name somebody like Barbara Boxer. Uh, to fill out the remainder of that time, somebody who obviously knows the way the Senate works uh, wouldn't ha- could just hit the ground running back there, which, of course, they don't have a big majority at all. So we'll see. I- I'm sure no one's going to say anything about that today. Today is a day to remember and honor Senator Feinstein and her legacy.
3: And we're talking about that with Scott Schaefer, Senior Editor for KQED's California Politics and Government Desk, with Marisa Lagos, Politics Correspondent for KQED. Both of them are co-hosts of Political Breakdown. And we're talking with Jim Lazarus, a longtime aide to Senator Dianne Feinstein. What would you like to share about Dianne Feinstein? What are some things that you would like to her to be remembered for. What are your questions about what comes next? What are your stories about your interactions with her? The email address, forum at kqed.org. The phone number, 866-733-6786. You can reach us on our social channels at KQED Forum. Many of you already are. This listener writes, no one ever talks about Feinstein's role in preventing a huge disaster in the Loma Prieta quake. Her administration did a major retrofit of Candlestick Park, and it withstood the most unimaginable worst-case scenario a major quake when it was full of people for the World Series. Todd writes, when Senator Feinstein was mayor, she performed in a TV commercial promoting recycling. Originally, I wrote the final sentence as, it's so easy, even a Republican can do it. She changed that. It's so easy, even a politician can do it. We're hearing more of your remembrances and stories that only you can share, California. Stay with us for more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. California D- is reacting to the death of its longest-serving U.S. senator, but also the longest-serving female senator in U.S. history. Here's Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer.
10: Dianne Feinstein would typically say, when you asked her how was she voting on something, let me study this issue before taking a position. Let me go home and read on it. And when she came back... If she believed the cause or the vote was right and vital to many issues she cared about, she not only voted for it, there was no stopping her in getting it done.
3: You, our listeners, are joining us with your thoughts, your remembrances. Let me go to Tricia in Marin. Hi, Tricia, you're on.
5: Hey, hi. You know, I'm going to try to be brief. Hi, uh, Jim. It's Tricia Kelly, Joe Kelly's daughter. How are you? Um, I just feel like my life flashed before me. I wasn't—I know she wasn't well, but it just sort of shocked me, and I felt this spiritual thing, this like my spirit sort of reverberating. My mom went to school with her at the convent, and she—my mom couldn't make it there because it was too strict. But you know, Diane was was there, the convent girl. Um, she was appointed to. The parole board by my grandfather, uh, she, her, the love of her life, Bert uh, Feinstein, and her generosity with her home in Paragould. She let her, she uh, lent it out to her colleagues on the board of supervisors. I went down there. My friend Carol Francois, her father Terry Francois, was on the board of supervisors with her. Uh, generous, earnest, certain that you know, she's very very buttoned up. But that when they, she would smile, and just it would all break and. Uh, you know, she she threw an engagement party for my uncle Jerry and his wife Anne, and officiated at their wedding. And the story wow. for me was, oh, my dad and Moscone. I was in high school when that happened, and and I was, you know, my dad was friends with uh, uh, George Moscone, and and so on and so forth. Um, but the the one story that to me sort of uh, resonates is uh, when she was officiating at the wedding, we were at the rehearsal, and my five-year-old son, who's, you know, like flying around, she, he was a ring bearer, and she gave her diamond ring to my five-year-old. Now, just here, you practice holding on to this and da-da-da, and then she went off and left him, and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> who would do that with a five-year-old? Just the certainty, the trust. The, you know, I just, it was, it was stunning to me because I'm sort of a, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more nervous person, but anyway, uh, just a, a lovely person and it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking and, and, and I, I don't know, I do feel my life is flashing before me right now. Oh,
3: Trisha, I'm so sorry for your and loss God and so appreciate you sharing yeah. that, that intimate story, but also just the many connections it sounds like you and your family had with Feinstein. Over the years, Jim Lazarus, I, I love when Trisha just said that she'd smile and you'd break. You mentioned something about her bipartisanship before the break. What made her so effective in that regard?
8: You know, you know, somebody asked me from the city hall days, what was my biggest surprise coming out of I'd been in the city attorney's office and I knew Diane when she was a supervisor. And, and I said that it, it, politics always comes into government. It, you can't keep it out. But Diane took the issues on their merits, and it was always the first response to anything was what was right, what was best for the city. Again, you know, you, you had political decisions to make in that in the course of that, but that was, you know, th- that was Diane. Uh, I mean, we're gonna we're we're, we're going to do what's best and what's right for. As many people as possible.
3: Yeah, we're talking about that interesting
8: thing about uh, that about uh, Jerry Brown and his wife Anne, and that more than one couple exists because Diane was a matchmaker, and uh, you know it's uh, a part of her life story as well as her friendships with people and her. I mean, she put Jerry and Anne Gus together. She put (laughs) Charlotte uh, Maillard and George Schultz together. She had even a little bit of a role in. Jim Lazarus and my wife, uh, who was a George Moscone uh, staffer when I was in the city attorney's office and Diane was president of the board. So we all have our, it all circles around uh, all the time with her.
3: Jim Lazarus, a longtime aide to Senator Feinstein, also Scott Schaefer and Marisa Lagos with us, KQED's co-hosts of Political Breakdown and our political editor and politics correspondent as well. And now we also have Jerry Roberts with us, former managing editor of the San Francisco Chronicle and the author of Dianne Feinstein, Never Let Them See You Cry. Jerry, really glad to have you on
11: Thanks for uh, inviting me.
3: Sorry for your loss. You're writing about what she entered when she entered politics in terms of the culture, the mores, the sexism. I was so stunned to read that when she took on that role for the San Francisco Supervisors, Board of Supervisors, the main article that was written about her, was about her husband and how her husband was going to deal with it. Tell us more about that.
11: Yeah, I mean, uh, that that piece was really uh, uh, representative and emblematic, I think, of the times, uh, the way that uh, politics, uh, not only politics, but the entire culture was so male dominated. Uh, So, you know, when I went back and, and researched and looked at all that early coverage, it was all you know, about her hairstyle and her clothes and her appearance and, uh, you know, the way she arranged flowers in her home and so on and so forth. So, you know, these very throwback traditional roles and, and people were sort of agog, you know, that here was this woman in politics. Uh, so that was really the first barrier that she broke. Uh, and, uh, you know, even before that, she had done a lot of things. You know, her first marriage was kind of a disaster. And and uh, she was divorced uh, early in the 60s. And, you know, that was kind of scandalous at that time. She was a single mother for a while. Uh, so she really overcame a lot of things. And later on in her life, she uh, received, uh, you know, a fair amount of criticism from uh, progressive feminists, uh, you know, for not embracing the movement or not. And she always she always said, look, I lived my life as a feminist. Uh, and I think that uh, that kind of explains, you know, the way that she was, uh, you know, all these words they're hearing this morning, a pioneer and a path uh, finder and uh, uh, breaking down doors and so on. She did it, you know, with her personal experience. Uh, and that was her belief that if she could succeed, then other women could mm-hmm. succeed after her. And if you look at the roster of, of, of women from San Francisco uh, who, who have succeeded from Nancy Pelosi to, Kamala Harris and and Barbara Boxer. uh, You know, you have to, I think, credit her argument on
3: that. Well, Jerry, you've also written about how she was one of the first office holders to advocate for gay rights and anti-discrimination laws nationally and consistently. Can you talk about that? Yeah,
11: I mean, it's somewhat surprising because, of course, her her public image, quite rightly, is, you know, very straight-laced and starched. But uh, she, uh, from that first election in 1969, she was the first one to kind of understand uh, that uh, gay voters, you know, had legit, not only had legitimate uh, concerns, but also represented a powerful uh, voting block. And on the night she was elected in 69, she she credited gay voters. Uh, she, uh, you know, through the years. Uh, She carried the first uh, kind of, uh, you know, very mild uh, gay rights ordinance through the uh, uh, through the Board of Supervisors. Uh, But I think what people really will remember about her and I think, you know, stands as as one of the top one or two things that she accomplished with mayor as mayor was her leadership on the AIDS epidemic. Uh, She really uh, uh, was drawn to that quite early She understood the the stakes Uh, She took some unpopular stands in the gay community For example, closing the bathhouses at one point Uh, But she worked with a doctor from uh, uh, NHS Called uh, Anthony Fauci uh, (laughs) To help uh, craft uh, policies that became known in in uh, AIDS treatment as the San Francisco model, a very holistic model. Uh, she rallied the U.S. Conference of Mayors to recognize that, you know, as an important issue at a time when President Reagan hadn't even uh, uttered the word for several years. So, you know, w- when all is said and done, and you look back at her career as a mayor, certainly the the moment of uh, announcing the assassinations of George Moscone and Harvey Milk and leading the city through that period will be remembered. But to me, uh, you know, part of the reason that she had such high ratings when she left the mayor's office, 70 percent after nine years, which is extraordinary, uh, was her uh, leadership on AIDS. Mm.
3: Well, Jerry, I know you need to leave us, but I do want to ask you if she ever did tell you what she considered the most important work of her career. You know, she... uh,
11: Uh, She was very proud, uh, obviously, of what she'd done with the Senate. You can really bifurcate her sixty-year career between her thirty years in the Senate and her thirty years laboring in in local politics. Uh, I think the uh, the CIA torture report, you know, getting a public release of that, fighting the CIA over that, you know, even though she'd supported them for many years, I think, uh, was uh, something part of her legacy that she was. She was very, very proud of. And, you know, her continued fight on gun control, uh, you know, she had seen, as she often said, you know, firsthand what guns can do. And she was a great advocate of gun control in in, uh, San Francisco. And, of course, her uh, ability when she first went to the Senate to win a 10-year ban on assault weapons, uh, which, uh, you know, the uh, NRA overcame. Uh, that uh, strain of politics and and has defeated a a gun safety law since then. But she never really stopped fighting on that issue. Uh, So I think that was something else that she was proud of. And she was proud of, of the way that she had uh, worked on AIDS.
3: Well, Jerry, thanks so much for sharing Diane Feinstein with us both today and also in your biography. Really appreciate it.
11: Thanks for having
3: me. Jerry Roberts, former managing editor of the San Francisco Chronicle and author of Dianne Feinstein, Never Let Them See You Cry. We've got Congressmember Jackie Speer with us. Jackie Speer represents parts of San Francisco, most of San Mateo County, and served on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the House Armed Services Committee, the House Oversight Committee. Many powerful committees just like Diane Feinstein. Jackie Speer, so glad to have you on with us.
4: Oh, thank you, Mina. It was um, lovely listening to both um, Jim Lazarus and Jerry Roberts. And I have just a couple things to add to their two comments in terms of Jim, his reference to matchmaking. The other great matchmaking that she engaged in was bringing um, both then-President-elect Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton together at (laughs) her home for dinner. And that's how Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State. And with... um, Jerry Roberts references to feminism. I mean, she was a feminist before we really had coined the word, but she, you know, she did it differently. And uh, she was the author of the uh, Violence Against Women Act. And we worked together on the Breast Cancer Stamp Act. And uh, we worked also together on providing the um, protection to women in sports who were being sexually harassed mm. and assaulted. So, yeah, it's um, just a sad day, but... What a day to celebrate a legacy of um, one of the greatest women leaders in our country.
3: Yeah. You have talked about how, while she may not embrace the term feminist, she was a feminist through and through. You've also wanted to point out her legacy around conservation, what she did for California's lands.
4: Yes. In fact, <clears throat> excuse me, she was able to get $715 million um, in restoration of Lake Tahoe got um, money at, to set aside I think it was seven million acres of desert land uh, in California uh, as part of a national monument worked on um, the developing healthy forests and was working with um, the wildfire uh, firefighters because they weren't getting the kind of uh, salaries that they should be getting they were getting like minimum wage may still be doing that but um, yeah, she was a great environmentalist mm. as well.
3: Yeah. Well, another powerful friend and colleague of Diane Feinstein is on the line with us now, Senator Barbara Boxer. Senator Boxer, thank you so much for calling in.
6: Hi, and it's so wonderful to hear my friend Jackie's voice. I saw her recently and talk about a great member of Congress there. There she
3: is. Yes. And oh. well, I am so sorry for for your loss today. What would you like our listeners to know most about Feinstein, your friend? There's so much, so much. And it was
6: such a <clears throat> a, a tough year for her. Mm. And she just held on. She knew that she was needed on the Judiciary Committee or no judges would have been voted out of there for confirmation. So no matter how ill she was or how bad she felt, she hung in there. And um, it's it, it, she's remarkable. And and I think that is Diane. You know, she uh, put her work always first, front and center. I never saw anyone else have that ethic of work at weekends. It didn't matter. She uh, knew her stuff. But what I really want to say that people don't know is when we got elected in 1992, yes, that they call the year the woman. Mm -hmm. Well, that was an exaggeration. We went from two women in the Senate to six. But in any case, it was really rough because never in history had two women ever been elected from the same state. And we were up running in the same time. And she was way more popular and way more known. She had already run for governor. She didn't win that race, but she was known statewide. She was known for her courageous action after the assassination of George Moscone and Harvey Milk and I was literally very unknown. Like I was an asterisk in the polls, seriously, because I just represented a congressional district in the Bay Area, and so it could have easily been that she, it could have been that she just said, "Barbara, you know, I love you, but you're on your own." (laughs) But she didn't do that. She grabbed my hand, and even though you know, if she, she took a chance, we ran as a team. And um, we were known as Thelma and Louise. There's a great, somebody did a great cartoon uh, about that. But that's something most people don't know. And so we both won. And um, we stayed together there for 24 years, did a lot of things together.
3: Well, Senator Boxer, I can't thank you enough for calling in to share that, because you served so long with her, 1992 to 2017. And I'm sure yep. this is a very hard day uh, for you. Uh, Julie it's writes, sorry, go ahead. It's Senator. a very tough day. But I, I just want to say
6: she deserves to rest in peace. She's had a hard year, very hard on so many levels. So I want her to rest in peace. And I think she would be so pleased at the wonderful tributes that are being paid to her today.
3: Senator Barbara Boxer. This listener writes, My daughter met Senator Feinstein, which led to an internship on her staff, which led to a senior staff position for Congresswoman Jared Huffman. Senator Feinstein inspired a career in public service. Another listener writes, I think, Jackie Speier would be the best and most effective person to be appointed to fill the Senate seat at the remarkable Senator Feinstein for the remaining time of the senator's term. Would Ms. Speier consent if Governor Newsom took that step? Well, Congressmember Jackie Speier, you're on with us now. Do you want to answer?
4: Well, I I, I thank the listener for that vote of confidence. I think the governor has already indicated that he wants to appoint an African-American woman. So I think we're looking at candidates like the Secretary of State, um, Angela uh, Glover-Blackwell, Holly Mitchell, from the state Senate. I think those are the kinds of talented women that are going to be considered.
3: And we'll talk a little bit more about what's ahead right after the break. Meantime, we have tributes from both sides of the aisle. Eric Early, a GOP Senate candidate, put this out today. Senator Feinstein was a giant in American politics. Her loss leaves behind a gaping hole. Very few have the ability to fill. Emerald and I will be praying for her family. More from her colleagues, her friends, senators, Congress members, and also from you, our listeners. You are listening to Forum as we pay tribute to Diane Feinstein. I'm Nina Kim.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
3: You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
6: As the great senator, she has been to our state, the longest-serving woman senator from California. Uh, She came here with Barbara Boxer. She stayed on, and she left on her own terms. The first woman mayor of San Francisco coming into office under sad circumstances, but leading us with great dignity, with great effectiveness, and great leadership
3: speaker emerita nancy pelosi talking about the life and legacy of senator diane feinstein who died at her home in washington dc thursday night her family announced it this morning she was 90 years old Jim Lazarus, a longtime aide to Senator Feinstein, is with us. Congress member, former Congress member Jackie Speer is with us. Scott Schaefer, senior editor for KQED's California Politics and Government Desk, is with us. Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent for KQED, is with us. They are both co-hosts of KQED's Political Breakdown show. And you, our listeners, are joining as well. And we've got former Congress member Jerry McNerney writing in. McNerney writes, Diane Feinstein was a giant among us. She broke barriers, beat odds, and didn't back down from the fights she Believed in, from limiting automatic weapons access to demanding the CIA release to the public, its use of torture and interrogations. We have all been made better by her unwavering service to this country. Californians have lost a leader, and the Senate has lost a fearless voice for the American people. I grieve along with her family and loved ones and hope we can all take a moment to remember the incredible legacy of this great woman and patriot. I thank the congressman for listening. And, uh, you know, Marisa, Nancy Pelosi was saying that she left on her own terms. But as we touched on earlier, her passage does leave a lot of questions in terms of, you know, who will Governor Newsom appoint? We heard some thoughts from Congressmember Spear. But can you talk recently about Newsom's comments related to appointing a black woman to the position?
12: Yeah. I mean, he made that promise several years ago after he had appointed Alex Badia, who's, of course, the first Latino to represent California in the Senate. But he was replacing Kamala Harris, and her taking the vice president job, getting elected to that, meant that there were no and are no black women in the Senate. And so I think Newsom felt pressure to make that promise. I'm sure he didn't expect things to play out the way they have. Um, And several weeks ago, you know, he did make clear that he will not appoint Barbara Lee, the representative from Oakland, who is running to replace Feinstein. Um, She reacted pretty angrily. And so now he's kind of got himself in this pickle where he does he has promised to appoint a black woman um, and it will be a caretaker. And I think that's something that has angered folks and supporters of Lee, not only but also people in the black community, um, because, you know, the point is, I think, to give somebody the incumbency advantage. Um, and that power that comes with it.
3: And there is speculation that Republicans will more likely be pushing for Newsom to leave the seat open for voters to determine who should fill it. What do you think?
12: Um, I don't think that's likely to happen. I think what's probably gonna happen is that Newsom will appoint somebody who will serve essentially through next year's uh, presidential election, and then we'll see two questions on each ballot. One will be to fill, you know, the 2024 term that starts, uh, or 2025 term, excuse me. Um, and one will be to fill those last two months of Diane Feinstein's terms in November and December of next year. Um, that will be, so there'll basically be two primaries in March and two general elections in November. Um, stands to reason that voters would pick the same person for, to fill the rest of her term and to fill the next term. But, you know, they don't have to. You could vote for two different people on those ballots.
3: And on the line now, we have former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown. Willie Brown, thank you so much for being with us, Mayor.
10: Yeah, thank you.
3: And I'm sure that it was uh, a shock, even though we saw it coming with regard to Diane Feinstein's death. But what was your reaction to the news of Feinstein's passing?
10: Well, it was, frankly, shocking, really shocking, because I had uh, been aware that she was— uh, there in D.C., doing the work she was supposed to do. Actually, she cast a vote yesterday in the Senate in Washington, D.C. Shocking that she would then, thereafter, dinner and then die. Mm. That's amazing.
3: Yeah. What will you remember most about her?
10: How much of a good friend she was for me. Over the years, how she had uh, been one of the first persons uh, to assist my efforts to try to change the attitude of San Francisco about housing for people of color. Uh, She showed up for the first demonstration in the city. And I think it was probably maybe 1961, where she was pushing a stroller with her daughter. And that's how I met her. She was participating in a protest to try to get me a house in the city.
3: Wow, San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown, thank you so much for telling us about these moments that so few of us probably know and about the impact that Senator Dianne Feinstein had on you and in your life on this very tough day. Yes. Former San Francisco Francisco Mayor Willie Brown. And we have another former mayor on the line with us. Sacramento Mayor Heather Fargo is on the line. Mayor Fargo, thank you so much for being with us as well.
13: Well, you're so welcome. It's a, it's a sad day, but a wonderful legacy that you're doing there on Forum. And I just wanted to call in and give a perspective from another city, as important as she was to San Francisco. Uh, she was equally important to Sacramento.
3: And how and, so? What, what will you remember about Diane Feinstein? Or, or did she do anything for you in particular that stand out, that stands out? Well, one of the,
13: when I was first elected, uh, you know, the end of 2000 and took over in 2001 as mayor of Sacramento, one of the first calls that I got was from her and from her office mm-hmm. asking me, actually, really not asking me, kind of telling me that I needed to come back to Washington to meet with her and representatives of East Bay Mud to talk about the water fights going on between Sacramento and the East Bay. And I, it was then when I really knew that I was the mayor, and that I needed to go to Washington and and meet with her and, and East Bay Mud, and that started a uh, several-year process of quarterly meetings between people from the city and county of Sacramento and representatives from East Bay Mud to talk about how we could convince them and how we could help them take their straw out of the American River. Uh, which was very environmentally detrimental, we thought, and was basically the end of, we had just ended a 17-year lawsuit between the two parties, and she wanted us to get together and resolve our differences. We were able to work out, after a couple of years, the ability to help them finance and get uh, their water out of the Sacramento River, out of a new water um, uh treatment facility in just south of Sacramento uh, that serves both the county of Sacramento, the southern county, as well as East Bay Mud, And so, but she was the one that started that conversation by bringing us to Washington and having us sit down in the same room and talk about solutions. So I don't think her environmental record throughout the the state is, is as well known. But, I mean, clearly she was just a leader in so many ways and certainly a mentor to me and a, and a role model. And I met with her many times in Washington over the years um, when I was mayor and just really appreciated those interactions and, and her leadership in so many ways.
3: Former Sacramento Mayor Heather Fargo, thank you so much for sharing your Feinstein story with us as well.
13: Yes, I'm sure they're all over the state. <laughs> Thank you for doing this.
3: Thank you. This listener writes, I'm a 60-year-old female doctor from Missouri. Diane Feinstein represented all that a woman could become. I was very young when I saw her doing great things for all the people in California. She gave me hope for the rest of the country and helped inspire me to eventually move to California, making a home here in the most progressive state in America. What a legacy she lived and leaves with us. Another listener writes, I'm conflicted. She was a trailblazer, but she should have stepped aside long ago with her mental and physical health decline. Scott Schaefer, you have talked about how she was universally respected, but not necessarily universally loved, even in the Democratic Party among Democrats. Can you talk about that a little bit?
7: Yeah, I think from the time that she was mayor, uh, many people saw her as more conservative, certainly than the party activists wanted her to be. I mean, when she was mayor, she and I don't mean this to disparage her legacy. But she was a, she was a centrist. That's who she was. But she vetoed as mayor uh, domestic partners legislation, some of the early gay rights legislation. She vetoed a a bill for comparable worth for women, equal pay for equal uh, work. Um, and, you know, when she went to the Democratic State Democratic Party convention in 1990, she was running uh, for governor at that time in the primary. And she got up and spoke about her support for the death penalty. And she was booed <laughs> and she because that was not the position that most in the party you know, favored at that time. And then she turned that around, uh, that booing of her uh, into a TV commercial to show how tough she was and willing to stand up to people who uh, disagreed with her um and that's just really you know her centrism was really part of her dna uh from the time she was uh, you know her, her 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 parents when she was growing up one was a republican one was a democrat and she used to talk about having very bipartisan uh political conversations and i think that really was who she was Um, uh, You know, that said, I think as time went by, uh, certainly in the gay community, for example, her leadership on AIDS when she was mayor will always be remembered and appreciated. Um, And, uh, you know, there are certainly people who disagree with her on specific issues, but in general, you know, uh, her her trailblazing nature, her breaking glass ceilings, uh, her toughness on things like uh, holding the CIA accountable and pushing for an assault weapons ban. I think th- those will, those things will really transcend um, the other things that people remember about her.
1: Hmm.
3: Well, Art writes, could VP Kamala Harris fill the now vacant Senate seat after resigning resigning from the vice presidency, allowing President Biden to fill the vice president seat with someone with higher approval ratings, maybe someone (laughs) like Michelle Obama or even President Obama? Whoa, Marisa, what do you think about that from Art and what it might say?
12: I mean, that would be news. I think it's highly unlikely. Um, I don't know why Kamala Harris would want to go back to the Senate, um, given that she's you know, the vice president. And who knows what the future holds. But, I mean, I, I do think at this point, there, I, I think we're all throwing out some wild ideas because nobody knows what Newsom will do. And I don't think he he maybe knows what
3: he's gonna do yet. Yeah, I think Democrats are nervous, of course, about the upcoming election, but also probably about the razor thin margin they hold in the Senate and so on and yeah. so on. Yes, I mean we cannot deny that this is having a massive ripple effect. This being the death of Diane Feinstein, who died at her home in DC last night. We're talking with Marisa Lago, Scott Schaefer, Jim Lazarus, and former Congress member Jackie Speer. And you our listeners are also with us. This happens to be a fundraising period for many public radio stations. And I just want to remind listeners that you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. You know, Jackie Spear, you worked on many bills with uh, Dianne Feinstein. And one of the things that you say is that she never shrank. And I'm wondering what you mean by that in terms of uh, legislation, I guess, that she she helped you work on.
4: Well, oftentimes when you introduce a bill and you're working with a senator, there's negotiations and they get watered down, and I always resisted that, but so did she. Um, and oftentimes when you're working with the Senate office, you got to capitulate, and I didn't have to do that with um, the senator because she held strong uh, on the issues that we worked on together. So um, that's what I meant by that. I mean, her, her legislative portfolio is so rich with uh, work on so many issues That, um, it you know, it's hard to kind of pick one out. One that isn't really been referred to in this, um, in forum this morning is you know, she also saved the cable cars.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you (laughs) tell us that story.
4: Well, I mean, you know, they were destined to um, be destined for the dustbin, and then she got financial support for them, so they were retained, Mm -hmm. um, but uh. You know, she did so many things um, across the country. The comments made about her torture report are really well-placed because uh, I remember sitting in her uh, kitchen. um, She wanted to meet with me and another colleague because we were new members on the Intelligence Committee on the House side, uh, which goes to the comments made about her being a great mentor, and she wanted to go over and the work she had done on um, the torture review. And, you know, that was scathing of the CIA, of our military, um, of both Democratic and Republican administrations. Um, but she did what was right, and she used her personal moral compass. Um, so it took great courage on her part.
3: Well, the Cisner writes, a great interim suggestion for someone to fill Senator Feinstein's seat until the November 2024 election with the agreement she would not run for the seat would be former Senator Barbara Boxer, who knows how the Senate works. So a lot of people wanting to to weigh in. Julie writes a story I heard about why Feinstein was so pro gun control. She was one of the first, if not the first person on the scene after Moscone and Milk were shot. She used her bare hands to try to stop the bleeding with her finger and her finger went into a bullet hole, that kind of experience strongly affects a person. Of course, as we talk about Dianne Feinstein, there are criticisms of her legacy as well. Noel writes on Twitter, I have to deg- disagree with Jim Lazarus. The senator was not able to do her job the past few years. Her staff did all the work. I respect her trailblazing political career, but she should have left the Senate before she died. Scott writes, While it is true that Senator Feinstein brought a sense of calm to a region rocked by both the City Hall killings in Jonestown, we can't overlook the Confederate flag issue the Filipino evictions of the late 70s and her surliness with children regarding the Green New Deal, among other things. She was, for the most part, power-hungry and out of touch, never a good combo. And Rio write, so many brown folks were around San Francisco in the late 70s and early 80s are having a raise your hand if you have ever been personally victimized by Regina George moment and reflecting on the passing of Diane Feinstein. For so many of us, there's always been a sharp pain to see Diane Feinstein praised and rallied behind as her political ambitions and power grew. We never forgot how much she hated us. Maybe her accountability will be found in the cosmos. Scott, I don't know if you want to just say a couple words about some of those criticisms.
7: Well, you know, in terms of her relationship with the black community, she was very close uh, with many people like Cecil Williams uh, from Glide Memorial Church. She had uh, Rotea Guilford was, Part of her inner circle when she was mayor, Um, she was quite close with, um, as I recall, Willie Kennedy, who was on the board of supervisors, uh, Doris Ward, also a member of the black community on the board. So in terms of that, you know, I I don't know that I would give that any credence. But, you know, yeah, she was she was not a dyed in the wool liberal, you know, which is what some people in San Francisco and elsewhere want in their elected officials. Mm. Well, Uh, you know, so there is some credence to that, but I think you have to look at the bigger picture, too.
3: The whole career. A listener writes, I hope nobody names a building or freeway for Senator Feinstein. She deserves so much more. Jim Lazarus, what do you think would be the best way to pay tribute to Feinstein?
8: Well, I think there's uh, a number of opportunities around the state uh, as we think about her legacy. Uh, Certainly the Desert Protection Act and how much of the Mojave was protected uh, one of her legislative accomplishments, Lake Tahoe. Uh, Diane brought people together for decades over preserving the clarity and environment around Lake Tahoe it was very important to to her. Um, San Francisco um, you know the, the the growth of SFO, the airport uh, was was very important to Diane and as mayor and as a senator, she protected funding. Uh, San Francisco is one of the few cities in America that actually gets some net money out of an airport operation under federal law. So the airport is mm. important to the city's bottom line and important to, to her.
3: Wow. I will never look at places probably the same way after this conversation. Jim Lazarus, thank you so much. Former Congressmember Jackie Spear, thank you as well. Also, thanks to our politics Experts. Marisa Lagos, political correspondent, Scott Schaefer, editor of our California Politics and Government Desk, hosts of Political Breakdown. Thank you, listeners, for sharing your insights and experiences of Diane Feinstein. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for
0: the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation. The Germanicos Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.